0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Kevin Jordan or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions. And learn how to make your yard summer strong at bewatersmart.info.
1: The Green Acres Garden Podcast is the podcast dedicated to helping gardeners hone their growing skills while we celebrate our love of plants. So whether you're new to growing or a seasoned gardener, you're sure to learn something new. Join the fun as we have conversations with world-class growers, passionate green thumbs, and professional garden experts from Green Acres Nursery and Supply. Listen every week. We'll answer questions you didn't know you had. Final check. Irrigation. Check. Fertilizer. Check. Soil.
0: Check. Roger that. Mulch. Check. Pest control. Check. Double check. We are go for launch. Go for launch. Copy that. And roger, roger. We are liftoff.
1: And welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to the stratosphere. We are now gardening at uh, in space. Oh. Now, <laughs> welcome, everybody. Uh, we are Go for Launch. This is the Green Acres Garden Podcast. I'm your happy host, Kevin Jordan, your plantsman in training, back in studio with Austin Blake, the pro-mikesman oh, uh, of hello. the show. Oh, hello. This week, we got a doozy for you. We're actually taking a look behind the velvet rope. We're going into, on a deep dive into the inside of the nursery industry. We're talking, actually, the growers uh, that bring the plants to our nurseries that we've so much love to plant and grow. We actually are meeting up with Nicholas Stadden, the spokesman and plantsman of Everde Nurseries. And actually, it's, we're going to have a fun little conversation talking all about gardening, growing, and uh, its impact on uh,
0: us as humans and kind of where we where it can take us. I don't know. What do you think, Austin? Did oh, you enjoy I, it? I love it. I've been learning, you know, since working on this show, so much about plants, but also the plant industry, like getting a, kind of a behind-the-scenes look at green acres and how it operates. We've gone to Isley and seen the growing, growing operation there, but it's bigger than that. It goes deeper. There's this whole other, this wholesale side. There's this scientist working on plants. There's, there's so much to explore, and I love it when we get to learn um, – more of that background stuff, and that's definitely what we did this week. Absolutely, you know, and it's really all about the people that are involved. You really never, uh, sure. you go, you know, go to the grocery
1: store, you pick out your food, and then of course behind that, you know, they're farmers. There's people that are actually putting all the hard work in to bring that to your table. Same thing when it comes to plants. Uh, and what's been pretty cool, as, uh, folks, will learn Nicholas has been doing this for longer than I've been alive. He's forty yeah, years, about he said forty he's... years in the industry. And so he's got a great perspective,
0: a great wealth of knowledge, and a wonderful accent, if I do add. Yes, yes, definitely. And you said he's, or you're saying you're like a plantsman, he's a plantsman. What is a plantsman? I'm a plantsman in training. You know, I I, I was looking at Nicholas, we were all in email, you know, I'm looking at his,
1: you know, his title that he has at his work, and it says spokesman and plantsman. And And I was like, ooh, I'm like, I like that. I want to be a plantsman. So (laughs) I can't fully say I'm a plantsman just yet, I'm one in training. Um, but it sounds cool. Yeah. And it was really just great to talk with him. I mean, he's a super nice guy, like I said, with a wealth of knowledge. We kind of uh, – we had a hu- just a really long discussion talking about so many different topics when it comes to plants growing, uh, producing his experience along the way. So much has changed, and it's kind of cool to see – where, where, where
0: things have been and where they're headed. Well, uh, just to set up the interview, before we jump into it, uh, I'm really excited to hear from Nicholas himself. But the company he works for, can you give us a little background on... Uh, basically who who are they? they're they kind of a big deal
1: they're for sure so they've absorbed different growers along the way actually even one of my former employers uh village nursery i used to work at many a moon ago um as a little sales okay. sales rat out there in the yard helping folks pick out their plants which i really did enjoy actually they've absorbed them uh heinz nursery and a few others and so they're nice just there is they're doing really well and he, what's great is in the interview he talks about they have many different growing grounds where they produce and create and Really, it all depends on the on the climate and the weather where they grow. They have some up in the you know in the northwest, some down south in Southern California and beyond. And it was really cool to kind of hear how these different regions are really have um, specialized in growing certain plants. And then those are the plants that get brought to us and give us the fine selection that we're used to. And what's cool is, like you said, the science uh, that goes mm-hmm. into it. And so each year that they want to get better at what they do because that helps them make more money, obviously. But it also allows the gardeners to be more, a bit more successful, but also have more options. And so many of the plants at the nurseries that you're used to, their odds
0: are a few of those might have come from where, where Nicholas is at. All right, well, let's uh, just go ahead and jump into it. We had a great time meeting the legendary Nicholas Stadden this week uh, over Zoom, and he gave us a breakdown on his thoughts on a wide variety of topics here, and he has just uh, so much garden gold within him. So uh, thank you, Nicholas, for coming onto the show and sharing your knowledge with us all. Here is our interview with Nicholas Stadden. Here we go. Well, it's Gardens for All
1: Time. I'm here with Nicholas Stodden of Everday Growers. How's it going there, Nicholas? Terrific.
2: Thank you for having me on, Kevin.
1: Are you kidding? Thank you so much for making time for us. Um, I've got so many questions. I know you've got the answers. You've come so highly recommended to us by our producer, Greg. Um, so I, I've, I've, you are the man, the myth, the legend, the garden, the garden myth. Um, let's tell our viewers, a little, our listeners a little bit about you. Um, we were discussing before we got recording. You've been working in the nursery industry for what 39 plus years.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I so it's really interesting. I dropped into the nursery business or profession as I like to call it quite by chance. And my my formal education if I had one was in farming and that was oh gosh when I was back about like 16 17 years old. So I've always believed that agriculture and horticulture were firmly joined at the hip but so long story short I met my bride in Fort Lauderdale, and at the time I was working on ships. And one thing led to the other, and we decided to get married. And the, and the gentleman who I worked for, whose boat I used to run, had a nursery in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I went to work for him in the, in his garden center. I didn't, I didn't know a thing about plants. I mean, I really didn't. I had a love for plants. You know, my family, everyone had gardens, and everyone gardened and, and things like that. But I found that very quickly that I had this uh, passion for plants. It really was a passion. And I was really fortunate that I had some mentors in the garden center. Uh, We employed uh, quite a number of master gardeners there. And they taught me uh, the business of plants. And New Mexico is a really harsh environment. Uh, we, We always used to say that the vistas will move your heart but the gardening will break it because you were gardening in you know, red clay, rocky shale, places like that. So that's where I cut my teeth on gardening. And I, I quickly learned gardening is one of those great activities that crosses every social barrier. doesn't matter who you are, what your position is in life, et cetera, how much you make, you can garden.
1: So looking back now, are there any changing trends that you've seen um, when it comes to, you know, you've been in America quite some time now. Um, how how has the culture of gardening changed? I know you're you're pretty well traveled as well, but uh, through all throughout the U.S., how have things changed over the years?
2: So, so, I, so I'll tell you the real big change, and I think this is that's a great question. So, when I first came to America, I would say that that gardening was kind of trendy, kind of hippie. You know, there were people who there were a lot of people who muddled around with gardening. Um, There were a lot of people who were working on the fringes of gardening. I believe that gardening came to its heyday in America, maybe about 15 years ago. The golden era of gardening, if you turn that golden era, was like back in the 1800s. And let's let's just take a step back there for a moment. Back in the 1700s and the 1800s, that gardening was a sign of extraordinary wealth. You know, if you were a king, a queen, a bishop, a cardinal, a pope, an aristocrat, you had these massive gardens. You didn't have gardens that were like an acre or a couple of acres. You had gardens that were three, four, five, six, seven hundred acres. You had these big farms. You moved villages. You moved rivers, you moved streams in order to create these gardens. So a garden became an extension of how powerful you were within society. So the larger the garden, the more powerful you were. It was almost a case of one-upmanship. So fast-forwarding today. Today, I don't know one person that doesn't have some type of interest In plants matter not whether they have a garden or they live in an apartment, you know, or a small house where they have a garden the size of a shoebox, whatever it might be. So we see this extraordinary interest in gardening. I believe gardening has gone from kind of trendy to a massive cultural shift. I firmly believe that people really understand the value of plants, whether it's on a worldwide basis a country basis, the great United States of America, the state basis, or where you live in Sacramento, Los Angeles, Wichita Falls, wherever it might be, people are finally understanding the importance of plants, whether it's trees, shrubs, perennials, woody ornamentals, vegetables, things like that. So I believe that this cultural shift is on the precipice of opportunity, that we are, that we're like ready to launch into the stratosphere. So we've gone from a trend to a cultural shift. So, with that, following in behind that very closely, there are lots of other things that will become increasingly important to people. It was very trendy to talk about pollinators, birds in the garden, things like that these again have moved into that cultural shift you know people are diligently trying to use that garden as the gateway to nature to encourage uh, the animals and the creatures not only to visit their garden but to stay in their garden on a year round basis so g- gardening is not difficult it really isn't and there's so many organizations and people out there to help you get going. It's uh, it's just terrific.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, really quick, Austin. Okay, so right in there towards the end, I really loved something that he said, and I was curious to kind of get your thoughts okay, on it. Okay, okay. Um, Nicholas talked about the
0: gardens as a gateway to nature. What were your thoughts on that? What did it make you think about? Um, boy, well, I just loved everything he was just talking about—the history, the the background of gardens, what they used to be, Because we never really got in that perspective before, so I really appreciate that. I'm new to this world, and I have to—I have to agree. I have to agree. Since I've been working on the show, learning about plants with you, it has been totally a gateway to nature. For me, personally, not only am I bringing the plants into my home, I'm growing them outside of my home. I, I honestly do feel like I'm looking around at plants more. I'm trying my best to ID plants, asking people about it. I wear my green acres hat around the town all the time. People ask me about that and it it's been great. I love it, and you know, just to I recently, feel that connection a little bit. Totally, I recently traveled, and I was like, "What am I going to do in this new town I've never been to?" I went to the botanical gardens. Like, I
1: love those pictures too.
0: I'm definitely seeing a lot more nature than I used to. I'm very happy because of it. Well, you know what's really funny is when we were
1: doing the interview, I remember him saying that statement, and at the time, I, th- I thought he made a statement about the gardens being a gateway for nature. But then, as we we listened to it just now, just now, yeah, it was like, "Oh, the gardens are a gateway." F- To nature for us and i was like that i was like oh that makes so much sense and i love that because that's one of the things i love about you know whether it's the house plants or on the patio or out in the orchard or or, you know in the vegetable bed um you just feel a little bit more connected it's like a little bit more grounded getting some dirt under those nails i don't know i i definitely love that gateway personally my own personal gateway to nature and uh, i think it's yeah it's a gateway to health
0: i i agree and i hope it's like that for our listeners too so uh yeah, cool. That that's a great point to to. I was just curious
1: how you we thought about that. Oh,
0: sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree with Nicholas, and it's a fascinating point. Let's just uh, see what else Nicholas has to offer here. Let's keep going. Greg was telling me you have some good stories about flowering cherries.
2: Oh, <laughs> well. So, um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little technical now. So let's talk Please. about cherries. Some cherries are grown on their own roots, and they tend to be. Um, They tend to be kind of larger growing varieties, more upright, et cetera. But the real creme de creme of cherries, if you want something that's going to be really special in your garden, are what is called interstem grafting. So as you look at your cherry, you have the root system. And then what the experts do, the grafters do, they will graft on top of the rootstock, they will graft an interstem cherry and then on top of that graft is where they actually graft the cherry now the one cherry that jumped out at me when i was with greg and the team this last spring was a cherry called snow fountains snow fountains was a unique discovery by a pal of mine who's passed away now called jim zampini Snow fountains is a pure white color. And once the plant gets established in the landscape, you, you can't see the stems or the branches for the flowers. It's it's absolutely extraordinary. Every bumblebee, every honeybee in the neighborhood will come to your plant. Beautiful.
1: Are these being cultivated? Are they commercially available?
2: Yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg had a whole number of them available available in the garden center. I mean, they were... They were, they were you're very, you're
1: describing it so beautifully. It's like with the flowers, and that you can't oh. even see the stems. And I just, yeah. uh, it's painting a picture.
2: And there's, there's all sorts of colors. So, so, here's the icing on the cake. So, this interstem graph, the interstem graph can be like five or six feet high. So, you've got your rootstock that's in the ground, you've got your interstem graph, which is like five and six feet out of the ground. And then you have your cherry. Snow fountains, which is grafted on top and will cascade down. The interstem, as it, gets, as it continues to grow and gets some caliper on it, is the color of copper. There's no other way to describe it. And in Japan and in China, in the gardens, in the public gardens there, there are men and women who are employed to go around and to polish the bark of the plants. They have. Uh, I, I'm going to call them dusters or special cloths in their pocket, and every two or three days they go to these cherries and they polish the bark of the cherries, so you can almost see your reflection in it. it it's a, it's a, it's a unique way of immortalizing some of the old traditions. So, um, you know, cher- cherries are absolutely fantastic.
1: So Nicholas, please tell us a little bit about your position with the Verde Growers. I know you, you spent a couple of decades with Monrovia working there, but now you are the, uh, doing some work over there. So, t- you know, fill us in a little bit on what you got going on over there.
2: Yeah, Kevin, thank you. So um, I'm the spokesperson for the company, which means I travel all over America um, presenting to consumers, working with our customers. I work very closely with various garden organizations, uh, the media, uh, videos. Uh, I work for a, or work with a, a group called Garden Comp, which is garden writers. So anything that involves talking about plants or who we are as an organization. And uh, the other uh, portion is working with our sales force. We have 60 or so salespeople. So I help train them, coach them on all the various plants. We have uh, 15 nurseries across the United States. So part of my job, in collaboration with my colleague Susie Weiss and Tom Foley, is teaching and coaching them all about the different plants we grow.
1: It sounds like it, like a dream job in a way. What kind of plants are you growing over there at Averde?
2: Yeah, terrific. So so we're a national company. So because of that, we grow uh, about 2,500 different varieties of plants. And we have farms in Oregon, California, Texas, and Florida. So in the Oregon facilities, we tend to grow more of the woody ornamentals, the hardier plants. Pines, conifers, Japanese maples. We grow lots of different types of perennials. Hellebores is one of the main varieties we grow. And then as you move down into California, uh, we do a lot of citrus in winters. Winters is between Sacramento and the Bay Area, um, San Francisco. So we grow a lot of the tropicals there and we grow a lot of junipers, euonymuses, uh, flowering plants. And then as you move down into Southern California, That's where we do the very tropical plants, hibiscus, bougainvilleas, gardenias, those types of plants. And one of the things that we've seen over the last few years is there's always been a terrific demand on the West Coast for the tropicals, but now we're seeing a big demand back in the Midwest and the East Coast for these tropical plants where people will use them just as annuals. It's very difficult to winter them over, but uh, they have this short season they want the color. They want the fragrance. They want something that's unique for their garden. So it's uh, it's amazing how many di- how many different plants we grow.
1: That sounds sounds delightful. I mean, it's kind of cool to think about all the different places that you grow, and each one is kind of unique to its own climate and environment.
2: It really is. Yes. So,
1: have you looking back now? Um, you, you know, you, you bounce around the country. As like, if for someone now who, who just wants to get their hands on a on a couple of all-star shrubs for their garden. You know, what are some what are a few shrubs that we could use? You know, we're here in Northern California. It's pretty warm. My winters are pretty mild. What are some plants that you just are in love with that that you see in our landscapes here that you always recommend?
2: Terrific. Well th- great question. So so one of the one of the jobs I I also work with is in the new plant department. So we have a guy called Tom Foley who is responsible for bringing new plants into the country and working with breeders and hybridizers all over the world. Um, these plants all come in under license at Centra. So our plant mix is changing. What we're seeing in on the west coast of America is this terrific move toward what I call the Mediterranean plant mix. Now, it's very important to remember That the Mediterranean plant mix doesn't just come from around the Mediterranean. It comes from New Zealand, Australia, South America, uh, correction, South Africa, South America, and the West Coast of California and the Mediterranean region. So you've got this cornucopia of water wise or drought tolerant plants. Many of you will be familiar with Agapanthus. So, Agapanthus, for instance, are native to South Africa we've got this brand new line of agapanthus from the sunset program called the Ever series. And so we have blues, we have whites, we have a blue and a white bicolor, and we have this unique variety, which is purple, the first purple agapanthus in the world. So what we're doing is we're looking at this Mediterranean type climate mix and bringing these into California. So we have agapanthus, We have a brand new group of plants called Lamandras, and Lamandras originate from uh, Australia. These are grass like plants. They do very well in our region. Uh, They can be used en masse to control a bank. They can be used in a border. They can also be used in containers. So we work very closely with this uh, program called Sunset, and they're doing all sorts of different things. And I think the other group of plants that have gone from strength to strength is uh, flower carpet roses. They originate from Germany, but there are all sorts of new colors that keep coming out. And what we're seeing now is sort of more compact, more um, more well-behaved garden plants. They're highly disease resistant. They're very filiferous. So for the gardener who wants something that looks good, spring and the autumn, these are terrific choices. Many of the roses, tend to ease off on the blooming. So the door is open to many new varieties right now.
1: It sounds wonderful just imagining uh, those carpet roses are awesome. You know, pretty low growing, uh, really easy to take care of. I've seen them be pretty successful where we're at, even in the blazing sun.
2: Yes, yeah. Uh,
1: With your experience and your knowledge, I'd be curious from a a grower's perspective and, and a gardener's perspective, what do you think um, are the lessons learned looking back when it comes to actually cultivating and taking care of a garden and plants?
2: If you said to me, what's the main lesson? The big lesson is for the growers to listen to their customers, right? And I'm I'm gonna get to your question. So uh, Greg invited me to attend the, uh, ex- the Garden Extravaganza earlier in the year um, at uh, one of the Green Acres stores. And that was a great opportunity for me to talk to gardeners. Ask them questions about their garden. What are they being successful with? What are they not being successful with? And as growers, we can learn from that. Too often, growers have been production driven. So, growers will grow what they think the market uh, needs. But now, what's happening is growers are doing a better job of listening to their customers and they're listening to the actual gardeners. So, from that, we, you know, we develop our plant mixes, our programs, whatever it might be. The, the, at our peril, at our peril, do we rush in to bringing too many new plants to market? So many, so many gardeners today—they just want to be successful. And in many cases, the old tried and true varieties, whatever those varieties might be, are the ones to use in the garden. We all have this—we uh, all have this common umbilical cord that is threaded through all of us. That we love plants, and it gives us a point of conversation, right? It gives us a point of something we really enjoy to do together. We're very fortunate because not only do we have something we enjoy, but it's a business as well, and it enriches a lot of people's lives.
1: I love it. I had a teacher tell me once that if you find a career that you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life.
2: Yeah, I've and, uh, heard that too. Yeah. I, I, I kind
1: of figure, I think, yeah, there's some wisdom in that. Yeah. Well, Nicholas, yeah. I, th- I think we're up against the clock. I just want to thank you so much for carving out some time for us.
2: Well, th- thank you. And thank you for having me on. It's really been my privilege. Thank you.
1: No, thank Well, I appreciate it. And we'll definitely have to have you on in the future if you will have us.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'd love to be part of it again.
1: Okay, well, good luck to you. Good luck to Averde growers. And I love it. Gardens for
0: all. Thank you. All right. We are back from our interview with Nicholas Stadden from Averde. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Kevin, did you have a good time uh, meeting and talking with Nicholas?
1: I loved it. It was so great to get like that that insider information and get that behind the scenes kind of storytelling that that Nicholas gave us. It was really fun. I loved every moment of it. I I could have done it for hours. I yeah, I was hanging on every word.
0: Yeah, he was great, and uh, lots of great nuggets of of knowledge and gold in there. So thank you big time for that. It's just really cool to hear
1: about the nursery industry and some of the ins and outs that the growers have to go through and what they do to kind of bring those
0: cool products, you know, to market that we all kind of tend to know and yeah, love. Yeah, totally. We take it for granted so much that these plants are just there ready for us to buy, but there's a lot that had to happen for that to be that way. And it sounds like it's changing all the time. It's so who knows what kind of gems are going to be coming down, you sure. know, the market next. Sure. So, okay. But before we get out, I do want to check in with you and see if you have a weekly tip for our listeners. Oh, good one. Um, Because... I think you had mentioned something about lawn care being a thing that we need to be thinking about right now. Or Absolutely. Is, is that a timely? No, for sure. Okay. It's, it's a great tip of the week. Yeah, If I'm bringing up
1: lawn care, right now is a great time to actually put it, just a little bit of effort into your turf. So we're talking dethatching, that's scraping up and raking up. Um, all that old dead material that kind of binds up and piles up, dethatch it, scrape it away. You can aerate, punch those holes into the soil. Um, actually we, uh, fertilizing right now, even though it's getting cooler for lawns is actually a good thing. So you can do your fall feed, uh, that way you can give your turf a little bit of nutrition to make it through the cool season and, uh, have a great, you know, healthy winter. And those are the things that I would be considering doing for my lawn right now. They're really simple things to do. And you'll end up with with
0: a much healthier lawn in the result. All right. Thank you for that weekly tip, Kevin. I was not even thinking about lawns until you until you mention it. So that is really cool to be thinking about if you have a lawn. A lot of our listeners are getting rid of their lawns. We've had a turn of the weather. It's been getting a little wet. We had some rain. Is there anything that people should be thinking about now that it's getting wetter? Well, the seasons are changing with, yeah. that, with the changing temperatures, the cooler nights. Um,
1: you're probably going to notice some changes in your trees, we're talking fruit trees next week. So there's everything from our citrus to our, to our dormant fruit trees, there's something to talk about. So uh, whether it's harvesting some of those delicious citrus, that'll be coming up pretty soon and doing a bit of light work on them. Or, you know, putting some effort in on some of your dormant fruit trees, like I mentioned, because uh, it's time to kind of deal with this wet weather. And I'm talking about fungus, Austin. Ooh. I know you like fungus, buddy.
0: Uh, not particularly. I mean, okay. I like eating mushrooms, there but you not the kind of fungus you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know where I was going with that. Well, I know
1: you love fungus, bud. Uh, you know, of course, a nice button mushroom here or there. Oh, but uh, yeah. our trees, it's just the moisture. It's that time of year. There's a lot of work to do, whether um, pruning, you know, maintaining our fruit trees. It's really all the little basics and ins and outs. And we want to have a really good
0: harvest. And so, like I said, whether it's your citrus or your dormant fruit trees, there's something to consider. Okay, great. Well, that about does it for this week. We are going to wrap things up. Uh, big thank you to Nicholas Stadden uh, for joining us this week and, and giving us all your insight. And thank you for your weekly tip. And a look ahead to next week. Kevin, go ahead and take us out. Well, I just want to give a great shout out and a huge thanks to all of our listeners for showing up every
1: week. We love having you here. It's just great having folks that just love gardening as much as we do, Austin. Until next week, garden friends, I got to get back out in my garden and get some work in. So until then, happy gardening to you all, gardens for all, and please never stop growing.